Um, I, I'm just excited to be able to share the word with you this morning, and I want to speak to you on joy. Uh, uh, for those of you that were around about three months, uh, four, mo- four months ago on, on May 15th, um, I shared uh, Start Rejoicing. And I gave about seven reasons why you should start rejoicing right now. And I'm just going to quickly uh, scan that so that uh, if, if you were here, you can remember. Number one, God is always good. Number two, joy is your strength. Number three, you're eternally secure. Number four, God has a plan for your life. Number five, all things work together for good. Number six, prepares you for heaven. Joy prepares you for heaven. And number seven, in the end, it will all make sense. Seven reasons why you should start rejoicing. But today, the title of my message is Keep Rejoicing or Gotta Keep Rejoicing. You've got to keep rejoicing because that is the fuel for your life. I've talked about fuel and running out of fuel in the past uh, with my scooter and my little scooter that I drive around the city. Uh, at that time, uh, I thankfully, I have not run out of gas ever since. The Lord is good. I'm here to testify. <laughs> I have uh, I fixed my uh, gauge, so I know I I can actually I don't have to really have to play a guessing game anymore. <laughs> I can actually know when, you know when I'm running out of gas. Uh, but I was uh, comparing joy to fuel for our life, and how important it is for us to not run out of fuel and out of joy. And um, it, if you um, let me ask you this question. How long does it take you to run out of joy in a given day? Or do you feel like you run out of joy too quickly? Um, for some of us, it doesn't take too much. When we wake up in the morning, somebody woke us up. <laughs> or uh, our coffee didn't turn out the way it's supposed to turn out. Or uh, you sit in the car and you start driving. And somebody cuts you off. And on and on and on. And events throughout the day as you face the day. Um, how long does it take for you to run out of joy? Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to walk and live in joy. And it's real tangible joy that comes from the Lord. is produced from the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And the reason I want to speak to you about joy today is because I believe joy is one of the most important well, obviously, there's joy, peace, love, and all the fruits of the Spirit. But I feel, I feel like the joy is so important because when, you, when we don't have joy, we're not up to do anything. You might have been uh, part of situations where you just, um, the opposite of joy, um, misery, despair, depression, sadness. When you feel sad, when you feel miser- miserable, when you don't feel... Um, joy, you're not really up to do anything exciting in your life. Matter of fact, uh, you're not really up to um, make anyone else's life around you exciting <laughs> either. And, uh, and I feel like joy is so important because we are so much more effective when we have joy. As Christians, we're so much more effective when we have joy. I believe that the enemy of our souls, the devil himself, is... The opposite of joy, all the other stuff that I mentioned, the most miserable, the most depressed, the most uh, sad person ever, every single day of his life. I believe that uh, the enemy wakes up 
on the wrong side of the bed, as we say, <laughs> or, on the, or he stands up, on, uh, goes on his left foot first. He is the most miserable, the most sad, the most depressed, all the way from the moment he wakes up. And then he's bitter and angry by the time he goes to bed. And whatever happens throughout the day, the most miserable person in the world. And I also believe that the enemy of our souls, the devil himself, hates, despises joyful Christians. He can't deal with them. He just has to run away from them. They're just too joyful for him. All the enemy wants to do is just wants to make us more miserable and less joyful. But he hates a joyful Christian. See, God wants us to live a life filled with joy. Every single day of our lives, no matter what we face, no matter what we experience, no matter how good or how bad it is, He wants us to be filled with joy. And I've met a lot of miserable people. Or, to put it this way, a lot of people with no joy. And then uh, I've also met a lot of people that are... Uh, they, they, they mention they're Christians and we talk and then afterwards it's like, hmm... You don't sound too Christian to me. <laughs> um, but uh, we can all get to a state of, of uh, sadness and where we lose our joy. And then our effectiveness just fades away as Christians. That's why joy is so important. So as a Christian, the level of your effectiveness as a Christian will be determined by the level of your joy. I'm going to say that one more time. The level of your effectiveness will be determined by the level of your joy. On the ability to choose joy no matter what. Because it is the fuel. Now, Apostle Paul himself, who was in the prison, uh, decided that he was not going to be miserable and sad and depressed because he was thrown in the prison. Even though he could have. And he, and he could have just... Sit in his misery and cry. Why is he in the prison? But he decided to choose joy and to rejoice. And beyond all of that, he decided to write letters to the churches to encourage them to be joyful as well. If you read those letters of Apostle Paul, you will not a single time. There's not a single time that he mentions how he is depressed and how he's sad and how he is. Um, just doesn't know what to do with his life. But in the scripture that we're going to mention now, he, especially this, this one to Philippians, the letter that he wrote, he was talking more about joy than any other uh, uh, book that he, uh, letter that he wrote. And I'm going to read uh, this scripture, uh, Philippians 4 again, like I did last time. And we're just going to work through some of these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I've never thought about this before until I was preparing this. 
But there's a lot of things that Apostle Paul has written about in his epistles and letters. But I haven't found once when he was writing through the letters that he says something and then he repeats it. For example, he didn't say, let your gentleness be evident to all. I will say it again, let your gentleness be evident to all. He didn't say, do not be anxious about anything. Let me repeat, do not be anxious about anything. He didn't even say, um, he didn't even say, present your request to God. I say it again, present your requests to God. But he did say, rejoice. Now let me repeat it again. Rejoice. I'm trying to find if there's anywhere else in the scripture when Jesus or anybody else um, uh, was said something and then said, let me say that again, and then said it again. And I, I couldn't find it. Now, some of the scholars and theologians in the room, one of them being here, uh, might get some slack after the service, which is fine. But rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. It just hit me because it's like Apostle Paul is trying to make a point, And he's saying, I'm going to tell you something, but I'm going to say it again in case you didn't get it the first time. Rejoice. Now that should tell us something. That should tell us something. When we go through this life, um, when we go through the situations, whether they're good or bad, we have a choice. We can choose to be joyful, not only when times are good, but also when times are bad. Or we can choose to be miserable, sad, depressed, and on and on. And there's a couple of things that can steal our joy. Nothing can really steal true joy from God. But there's a couple of things that in our life that if we're not careful enough, can take over and it can steal our joy. And I want to talk to you about these five things. They all start with C. I don't know how I did that, but I did it. All five things start with C, letter C. And I call them the five poisons that kill joy. So I'm talk about five of these things because I believe... In any given day of our life, tomorrow, or next day, or next week, and probably until the very last day of our life, we're going to have to deal with these constantly. Because we live in flesh, and like Apostle Paul is even writing around the letters, it's like flesh or spirit, flesh or spirit, how am I going to walk? And walking in joy and choosing joy is actually walking in the spirit. So the first thing, the first poison that Apostle Paul, meant, uh, Apostle Paul writes about in Galatians 6 is comparison. Comparison. Galatians 6 says this, Don't compare yourself with others. Just look at your own work to see if you have done anything to be proud of. You must each accept the responsibilities that are yours. Comparison kills joy. The best way to lose the value of something is to compare it with something else. The best way to lose joy of something, of a situation, is to compare it, compare it with something else or some other situation. The best way to lose the value of something that you have or possess or you have in your life is to compare it with something else. You see, we all, because we live in flesh, we all compare all the time. We're part of the society that always compares. We compare what we have 
what the others people what the others have we compare what we do what other people do we compare our calling our purpose our families our this and that and it either feel makes us feel better or in most cases it steals our joy it makes us feel worse we've all heard the saying of and we've said it many times the saying of the grass may be greener on the other side, right? And then uh, when I heard the second part of that saying, that's what I say now all the time. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. That's where the grass is going to be greener. And this summer was uh, an example of what it means to have yellow grass in your backyard if you, had, if you have a backyard. In our own backyard that we have, it was a funny story. When you look through the window, all you see is yellow, except this one little green patch of grass that we played with our kids in, in the summer. We, had, we bought this little sprinkler for Zion, so we just had the water running, and it was running, running, running. It was actually a funny, um, funny picture when you look through the window. There's, everything else is yellow, except this little patch of grass. And I had two choices. I had a choice to either start watering my own grass, the rest of the, <laughs> the, rest of the uh, backyard, which I wouldn't do. It's, it's just it's too, much, too much effort, too much money. Or just to pray for the rain. <laughs> uh, we know that uh, the first, I think July was so dry, July, beginning of August. And then somehow, miraculously, with our prayers, in August, rain came like two or three weeks ago. And now when you go to our backyard, it's all nice and green. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And that just tells us one thing. That you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And God has you exactly where you're supposed to be in this moment right now. If you're looking too much ahead, looking too much or worrying up too much about the future, or comparing yourself with other people, which especially young people tend to do. And when I was younger, comparing things or stuff. Or, but then you realize, well, these people have had much more time to develop and grow and work and, and all these things. And you realize the comparison doesn't really work. It doesn't really work. And God has a plan for your life. So what is the antidote to, to comparison? What is the medicine to kill this poison? Simply to value what you have right now and where you are right now in your life. To be thankful and say, thank you God for what I have, for where I'm at. And I believe that you will take me where I'm supposed to be. Um, I find that social media has a big impact on a lot of these things that I was talking about, comparison. And uh, I'm not saying delete all the social media, but it does have a lot of impact on people's minds. And I just want to encourage you, if you have never done this before, to delete all your social media, not for a week, but two weeks, and see how joyful your life gets. And how the comparison problem, if you have a problem with comparison, how that just slowly dissolves and you just 
You just value what you have and you're thankful for what you have. So I'm going to keep rejoicing. I'm going to keep rejoicing. It's worth for me to rejoice because I value where I'm at and where God has me right now. The second poison that kills joy simply is conflict. We heard the past two weeks about contention. Pastor Ken talked talk, uh, two messages on contention and how we are to bring come to, with a, to agreement. And Paul, he said to Timothy this, he says, Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Another church that was a bunch of rowdy uh, people that like to argue a lot was Corinthians. And then if you read the book of Corinthians, uh, they were so rowdy that he had to write two books for them, two letters. <laughs> so they have, they have two letters, but there's a lot of stuff there with Paul is trying to tell them, like, stop quarreling, stop arguing, stop fighting amongst each other. Just create peace. So contention and conflict can really, conflict in our lives can really sneak in and steal our joy if we don't deal with it. Some people will leave it and just let it go and say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this person, just let it go. But they don't realize that it actually affects all that they do in their life, especially if it's conflict with close people that you care about and you love. So what conflict does, if we don't resolve it, it fogs our vision. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it doesn't give, give us clarity on moving forward. So what we need to do, the antidote for this, medicine for this, is simply forgiveness. Like we have heard over the past few Sundays. True apologizing, even if we are in the wrong, taking upon ourselves the pain and the hurt, finding the middle ground, letting go, letting God deal with the rest. Because God is just... God is the one who, is, who avenges. He will take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. What you, need, what you might have to worry about is just a little bit of a humility to apologize, ask for forgiveness, and forgive. So, the, the third, thing, a third thing that can steal our joy, if we're not careful enough, is concern. Which, in our own cultural language is anxiety. And Philippians 4, 6, we just read, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, we'll live in this life, we'll live in this, this flesh, and we have all kinds of concerns. Small concerns, big concerns, anxious thoughts. We think about, how is this going to pan out? How is this going to work? What's going to happen with this? Where is my life headed? What about, my, what about me and my partner? What about my family? What about my kids? And we always have all these different concerns that we go through, and that's natural. And I spoke to someone just recently, they were telling me, they asked me a question, whether the anxiety is a... Is a Lack of faith. And I said, no, we, when we live in flesh, we will deal with this. We have to learn. It's just, it's just what we do with it when things come at us. When, when trials come, when, when anxious thoughts come, when, when um, concerns come. Because sometimes what we, what we tend to do is, as, as people is we tend to create out of small things, big things. The more we think about the problem, the, pro- the bigger the problem becomes. And, and we take small things and then we make them into something that, that is not even real. 
and on and on and on. So what we need to do, what we need to do is we need to, like the scripture says, in this present moment, we need to give to God our concerns and our anxieties. See, what anxiety is simply this. This is what anxiety is. Being too concerned about the future or what's going to happen and being too concerned about the past or what's already happened, which you, you can't change. That's what anxiety is. Having your thoughts and having concern about what's to come and what's happened. But God wants us to experience full joy right now in this moment. So what we need to do to deal with this anxiety is we need to give it to God right now. And that's what the antidote for that is. To, in this, in this moment, pray, in this present moment, talk to God and present, give this concern to God. Because it's not worth it. i got to keep rejoicing. I'm not going to let this things of, of this life concern me. I'm going to focus on God. In James 1, 2, 2 4, James talks about um, things. He, talks, he, he says trials, and some other ones says problems and things that we deal with. And he, this is what he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, every situation that comes our way, good and bad, mostly it's the bad ones that concern us and then make us anxious. We are to consider it joy and we are to present it to God, saying that this trial, this problem, what I'm going through right now, what I'm going through right now, I'm going to give it to God. And I'm not going to, I don't want to be anxious about it. Because when you let go and let God, then it's, it's not, it's not a matter of your control anymore. It's not in your hands, it's in God's hands. Which takes me to the point number four, control. What can take our joy away? Control. Thinking that we are in control. Thinking that we can control things. And, and you know, uh, Colossians 1.17, Paul says to the church in Colossians, he says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So ultimately, God is in control. Yes. Not us. And we've, if we've ever seen this real in our life, it's, it, was, it was over the past couple of years with the pandemic and everything happening in the world. Ultimately, we realize the more we thought about how 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 much we're in control, the more we realize that we're not in a contr- in control. And you know, nobody loves control, controlling people. Nobody loves living in a relationship that's controlling. Nobody loves having family members that are controlling. Nobody loves to hang out with people who are having a boss that's controlling. And it's this battle for control. But what we need to realize is that the only thing that we can control is ourselves. Our own selves, our own decisions, our own words, our own thoughts, our own, our own actions. We can't change, we can't control anybody else. What we can do is we can control ourselves. And that's what Apostle Paul talks about. T- talks a lot about self-control. He talks a lot about how that's the fruit of the Spirit and how we are to live to pursue self-control. Because you can't control anybody else or nothing else around you, but you can control yourself. So, the control, how do we deal with that? What's the antidote? It's let go, let God say, God, you're in control and I'm not. 
it's not worth it. I got to keep rejoicing. I can't think I'm in, I'm, I'm in control. I'm going to control this and I'm going to do something and it's going to be out of my own. What I think is best, I'm just going just to let God. Let God be in control. And the fifth thing that can steal our joy, and uh, I deal with all, all five of the, I have five of these. I deal with them all the time. But the fifth one uh, is complaining. And he says to Philippians 2.14, Stop grumbling and complaining. <laughs> Do all things without murmuring and disputing. In another translation. Now this one is a real joy sucker. <laughs> can take your joy. You can suck the joy right out of you. And I think we all deal with it daily. But, you know, it's okay to ask questions and to, in prayer with God, have conversation and say, well, you know, why is this happening to me? God... Show me what's the way. You know, you close this door. What am you know? That's different. I'm talking about complaining that uh, the complaining that doesn't get you anywhere. We see in the scripture when the Israelites were complaining in, in the Old Testament, and God sends <laughs> stuff to happen to them because they were just too 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 much complaining. Now it is a part of our uh, who we are as humans. It's it's natural for us to complain, but um, we are not to grumble and complain and not. Be grateful because there is always something to be thankful for. The opposite of, of complaining is gratefulness. There's always something to be thankful for in your life. And, you, what, and that's the antidote for the complaining. You have to find something in your life that you are grateful for and focus on that. God, I don't like this, but I thank you for this. Because I know that you're working all things for good. God, I don't... This person just driving me nuts. But I thank you for this person because my patience is growing. And I'm becoming better. And I'm growing. You know, if it wasn't for the person, I wouldn't even be here. It's not worth it. you got to keep rejoicing. you got to stop complaining. And one way to, to uh, describe complaining, the negative complaining, is... You know when you're driving a car, if you have any drivers in a, in, a, um, in a room, and you have, for example, you know, you're driving, and I think I've used this example before, but you're driving, and then someone cuts you off. And then you just say whatever you want to say, and you keep on driving, and somebody else cuts you off. And then you just say even more things to that person. And it's like, it's like this is what complaining is. The other person can't hear you. So it's, it's pointless. That's what complaining is. It's like uh, speaking into the empty air. Nobody can hear you except yourself. So you're just driving yourself nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Not anybody else around you. So it's pointless. It's just, okay, what am I, I'm going to start complaining. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I'm going to be grateful for what I have and what God, what God has placed me and the plan that God has for my life. So those are the the five joy killers that we'll have to deal with. There's, there's a lot more, I'm sure. I just pointed five because uh, uh, these are the things that I deal with. But I want, I want to encourage you, encourage you this morning, that you can keep your joy. And you can choose joy, no matter what the circumstance is. You know, um, there's a scripture that uh, Jesus left 
uh, 14, it talks about the branch and how we're the, we're the branch and he's the true wine. And he's trying to explain to us of what it means to actually have true joy. And I'm just going to read that right now. In John 14, he says this. He says, Jesus talks to his disciples. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in His love. And verse 11. To end it with this one. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, God has a plan for your life. And His plan is that His joy would be complete in your life. Not a partial joy. Not a joy that's based on circumstances, what's happening to me, of me getting something and then being happy about that for two minutes and then it's gone. Not a joy that's based on what's happening around us, our happenings. But the joy that's firmly planted in us. And it tells us here that that joy is complete when, like Jesus, followed what what, uh, the Father was telling him to do. Him following his commands and him being aligned with the Father. That's when his true joy was complete. And that's what God wants for you and me. To have that true joy be complete in us as we follow him. Joy that is so deep, joy that will never run out, no matter what we face. Joy that we cannot manufacture by um, activities or different things that we do in our life. But joy that's deeply rooted in us. That comes from above. And... I like to describe it as just, I'm going to end this illustration, but like a pond and a lake. And if, you've, if you're a walker, I like the trails, and I've been to many trails, but the city is starting to make these ponds, well, sort of like call them ponds, but the, it's a runoff water from the storm, you know, and it really depends on the weather. If there's rain, there's going to be water in there, and there's going to be nice little duckies playing there. You're going to be walking by and looking at all the beautiful things, and there's grass and whatever. But if, the, if, there is a, if there is no rain, um, just, I don't know when this was, a few weeks ago, walking down, and um, we were, you know, I go with Zion, and we like to throw stones into those ponds, and just have fun and play. And we went to this one, and it was completely dried out. Like, we actually made an effort to go and throw some rocks, because he likes doing that. It was completely dried out. And that was because there was no rain. It was dependent on the weather. It was depending on how things went and, and the storms and all these things. But God's love, God's joy is like a Lake Superior. I've never been to Lake Superior, but I can use Lake Superior because it's the b- biggest lake in Canada. It is the infinite amount. It, it is the water that comes from within. It doesn't depend on the, on the weather. It doesn't depend on what happens. If, even if it freezes, like parts of it, it freezes, there's water still running out from the deep. And this, that's how God's joy is in us. 
It's running from deep within. It's not based on circumstances, what happens to us. But no matter what happens, we can, we can count on all joy because we know that God's joy is running in us. So don't be like a pond, depending on the weather, depending on how you wake up, depending on how you feel. But be like a lake. Unlimited, infinite reserve of God's joy available to you right now. If you choose it. See, God is the source. He's the source of our joy. He's the source of our peace. He's the joy of our well-being. He's the joy. He's, he's the source of all the fruits of the Spirit that come from Him. And we are to walk in the Spirit. We are to, where do, we are to want that for us. So that when we face life, people can come to us and they can say, Wow, you've, you've just had like, you've had like just like, you've had like the worst year of your life. And look, like you still have a smile on your face. And you're still joyful. And you're still about going about your life and you're doing stuff. And there's nothing that affects, like, it's like nothing affects you. That's how God wants us to be. That's how God wants us to live. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wants for you. And you've got to keep rejoicing. Because that joy that you have is contagious. <laughs> and it's going to run out of you. And it's going to uh, affect everyone around you. And like I said in the beginning, it's nothing more dangerous than a joyful Christian. Nothing more dangerous than a Christian walking filled with rejoicing that comes from above. The enemy, he can't, he can't do anything. He can try. He can try to send some people to discourage you, to tell you stuff. He can, he can try to uh, disrupt your plans and all these things. But in the end, he can't do nothing to you. Because you've got joy of the Lord. You've got joy and it's in your heart. And it's deeply rooted. This unlimited water supply. Just keeps running out and keeps running out. And Father, help us to live like that. Amen? Yes. Amen. Why don't we just all stand? And uh, I want to pray for you this morning. And if you want to be included in this prayer, <clears throat> I'll pray for you. You can just raise your hand or whatever is the easiest way for you. God knows your heart. God knows where you are. And God, help us in this moment to look to you. God, help us to be... Uh, firmly rooted in your word, Jesus, in your truth. We are your children, we belong to you. And that is the truth that is not unchangeable, unchangeable. And we stand on that truth that we belong to you, Jesus. And no matter what happens, what comes at us, we can choose to rejoice in you because no, we know that you have a plan. God, I pray that for everyone here this morning, I pray that you would give them, that we would fill them with joy that comes from you. That whoever is here this morning or listening online is facing hard times. I pray that in those hard times, your joy would become their strength. Your joy would lift them up. Your joy would fill them up in Jesus' name. We want to look to you, God, in good and in bad times. We want to seek you. We want to follow your commands. We want, to be, we want to be filled with your presence, God. In your presence, we know, is joy. And it is your presence 
what we need in our lives to accomplish what you have for us, God. So help us to walk in that presence. Help us to live in that presence. Help us to be um, an example of what it means to stand on truth. Live with joy. So that we can be effective for your kingdom. So that we can be used by you, God. Thank you for the joy you give us. Unlimited supply of joy that never runs out. Thank you for that joy. Bless everyone here. Bless us all. Fill us with joy, peace, love, self-control. And help us to always look to you, Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone that doesn't know you personally and knows what true joy is all about, I pray that you would fill their hearts, fill their mind, fill their soul. And let them experience the depth of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. And Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. And we'll see you here tonight at 6 if you're coming for importation service.